Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. I'm back, I'm back in Aggieland. I'm back where I belong. Uh, I'm back at a place where we considered home for four amazing years of this coaching journey. Um, this is a special time to be the leader of this great football program. From the moment I came down here back in 2018, I've been blown away by this place, okay, resourced as the premier football program in the country. Kicking off hour number two here on Herd at Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula, Andrew Rogers here with me. We're live on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities as well. And we are brought to you by the NDOT Highway Safety Office. One of every three fatal crashes in Nebraska involves an impaired driver. Why take chances? If you drink or use other substances, do not drive. Impaired driving is deceptively dangerous. From the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Joining us now on the War Horse Sportsbook Hotline is our friend Adam McClintock. He is the college football professor. He is a uh, founder of Matrix Analytical. Adam, how are you this morning? Pretty good, guys. How are we doing? What's up, man? It is one of my favorite times of the year, as you know, not because the college football regular season is over, but because I'm a huge coaching carousel nerd. So I'm a little bit of like... Bless you. Excuse me. I'm apparently worst time to get a sneeze. I know. Huh? Mid question, apparently allergic to that one. Um, the uh, no, this is one of my favorite times of year, Adam, and I know it's one of your busiest times of the year. So we appreciate you joining us. Uh, let's start with a job that's not opening up apparently, and that is the UCLA job. <laughs> that was one of the strangest. Uh, one of the strangest ways uh, those ju- that like will they won't they has played out. The the report gets out that hey they're firing after USC. They beat USC pretty handily, and they're like, well, I guess we'll keep him. Uh, so I, my question with Chip Kelly is, 
What do your numbers say about him as a coach? And uh, do you think it was the right move for them to, to retain him? Well, the numbers, um, Chip Kelly, it was kind of a, a, a strange year for him because, he, you know, he's, he's got a new quarterback. You know, he's, he's, he's breaking in a, a, a freshman quarterback or he was attempting to. And he kind of had a, a rotation of quarterbacks going on, going on all year long. And in an offense like Chip Kelly's, it's, you know, that, that's going to take a little time. Mm-hmm. What was encouraging about UCLA is they found a, a defensive coordinator for the first time in, in Chip Kelly's career that is very good. Um, so from that aspect, it's, it's kind of tough to know what to do. I think UCLA, if, if the guy who's currently in East Lansing now was still in Corvallis, then we may be having a different conversation. Mm. But, but uh, you know, uh, Michigan State struck first. And uh, now UCLA is, has kind of, I think, probably made the right decision in, in giving Chip another year. Adam, you mentioned uh, Jonathan Smith going from Oregon State to Michigan State. I think everybody agrees it's a home run for Michigan State. But I've heard some people say that maybe there was something better out there for Jonathan Smith, if not in this year's cycle than in next year's. H- how do you view Michigan State as a job? Because I know that's part of your equation as well. Yeah, Michigan State. I mean, it's it's a lot better job now that there's no divisions in the Big Ten. Um, sure. Yeah. You know, they were they were they were one of those in the East, along with Penn State, that you know they were they were kind of locked in that death you know circle. Of <laughs> yeah. Michigan, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and then you had Michigan State there, right? Well, that's not the case anymore. Um, it's it's the divisionless football in the Big Ten. Anytime you can get a a Big Ten or SEC job, I think at this point you have to take it because those two conferences are separating themselves so much from the rest of the college football landscape that you know the, the resources at those schools are just going to be are just going to be uh, better than what you can get in the ACC or Pac-12 or Big 12 moving forward. Adam, just yesterday, um, I, I was I saw Feldman tweet out that Florida parted ways with their co-DC and defensive line coach, and then um, as I was. You know, looking through things this morning, I also saw that um, you guys as well did a, a, a nice little kind of like twit, Twitter feature on uh, defensive coordinators. And, you know, it had me thinking about uh, that move that Florida made because as I kept reading more and more about, about those two coaches, uh, you know, nationally it seems like they're perceived as like highly regarded at their positions. Um, but then it had me thinking, like, okay, how do you how do you go from being fired um, from a university and then also be looked at as like, hey, they won't be on the market for long? Like, where do you kind of like draw the line there? Because like you know, there's obviously different scenarios and situations that you know can be delivered, saying like, well you know, they're actually just a good coach and they just didn't make it work here. But, like, how does Florida go from firing them and then these two also being looked at as, like, hey, they won't be, they, they won't be jobless for long? Well, you, you, it's the, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the human aspect of this that people kind of forget about is you have 11, 11 headsets that have to, have to get along and have to have the same vision, have to have, you know, pull in the same direction. Um, Florida just hired a new defensive coordinator last year in Austin Armstrong, right? Who's to say that maybe his vision and the vision of the of his defensive line and secondary coaches weren't playing in the same direction? 
So then Billy Napier's in a position where, okay, does he fire his defensive coordinator he just hired, or does he allow his defensive coordinator may, maybe to make some changes on his, his side of the ball that, that he wants? Um, I think that's maybe the situation you're getting into there at Florida more than anything. And, you know, human element there again, some, some programs make mistakes, and <laughs> this may have been a, a, a situation where or that might not have been the best thing to do. Those are two very good coaches, and I, I, you know, I kind of agree with, with the sentiment out there that they won't, they won't be on the market for very long. Uh, Adam, I want to get to our uh, the openings here, the current openings here in a second. But uh, first, I, I want to ask you about Mike Elko and that Texas A&M fit because it seemed like they were settled on Mark Stoops. There was a little bit of a revolt, and then Mike Elko ended up being that guy. So a couple questions here. Number one, out of those two, who who did you like better in terms of, of the numbers that, that you guys put together? And the second question is, how do you think Mike Elko is fit-wise at Texas A&M? Well, first first of all, you know, remember when we talked last week, or was it maybe a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. now? I don't know. It's all blended blend together. <laughs> we said that, we said that uh, Texas A&M – was going to swing for the fences because they thought that's who they think they are. And they did. They swung for Dabo Sweeney and they missed. And then we said they, they were going to come back down to earth and have to hire a Mike Elko or a, 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 a Jeff Trailer at, at UTSA. And that's exactly kind of what happened. They, they swung for the fences. Dabo, I think, probably maybe, maybe entertained it for a bit. But, but in the end, he wide leave Clemson when, you know, for something like Texas A&M. That's not, you know, you typically don't see that in, 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 a, coaching, in, a, in a coaching profession. But um, I like Mike Elko. I, I think he's a much better fit there than Mark Stoops. If I was a Texas A&M fan and Mark Stoops was, was uh, announced as the head coach, I probably would have been right there with the pitchfork as well. <laughs> <laughs> because the next time Mark Stoops upsets somebody will be the first time. He... He beats the teams he's supposed to beat, and he very rarely swings above his, his, his weight class. Mm. You can't have that at Texas A&M because you're going to have to beat Alabama. You're expected to, or at least that fan base expects them to beat Alabama ever so often. Expects them to beat LSU. Expects them to, 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 to compete with Georgia. Mark Stoop was, was never going to do that. And he's, he has good. Go mm-hmm. No, no, no. Go ahead. Finish your thought. So yeah, Mark Stoops. He's he's going to. He, He's going to beat the teams that he's more talented than, but he's not going to do well against teams with equal talent or greater talent than he has on his roster. Mm, okay, okay. Um, I, I, I want to change directions here. And I had a, I had okay. a, I had a follow-up thought there, <laughs> but, but I think you kind of cleared it up for me. Um, you know, as we talk about, like, those big-name guys like Dabo Sweeney, you know, you, you have another guy that, like, his name has been rumored, but it's kind of weird that his name has been rumored, and that's Ryan Day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, have you dived into him at all? Um, because at Ohio State, he's extremely successful. But because he can't get that big win against Michigan anymore, it seems like, oh, Ryan Day's going to move on to uh, so-called greener pastures. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't completely get that. I understand, you know, the importance of that game in, in, in the state of Ohio. You know, it's, you know we, we had that experience here in, in Nebraska years ago when, when Osborne was, was fighting to beat Oklahoma for the first time. Mm-hmm. It took him four or five years to do that. So, completely get that. Um, but you also have to, on the other hand, see that he doesn't lose. I mean, he beat Notre Dame this year. 
He routinely beats Penn State, which is which which is, which is a good program. I don't know if you can fire a guy just because he does he he, he struggles with that one team, you know. And the, the, quite frankly, there hasn't been very many teams the past three or four years that, that have uh, that have beat that one team. So it's yeah, it's frustrating. I, I see on their end, but you 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 could also do what some of these other programs do and, and throw the, the baby out with the bathwater and maybe get somebody in there that is going to do worse than what Ryan Day is doing. Adam, we're talking with Adam McClintock, college football professor and from Matrix Analytical. Uh, Adam, you know, speaking of Ryan Day, we were having this discussion yesterday about the Ohio State job, and we were trying to come up with how many guys would say no out of hand to Ohio State if it came open. And I think the list stopped at Saban and Kirby Smart. Is the, is the list longer than that, or is that, is that pretty much right? If Ohio State comes up, just about everybody's listening. Yeah, I think just about everybody's listening to that job. I mean, that's, that's the premier. That's the pre- I, I know Michigan has, has been on a run the last two or three years, but Ohio State, that, that's the premier job in the, in, in the Big Ten, has been for the past decade. Um, just because, you know, the last two years or three years have – it went Michigan's way. I don't think that changes that. You know, their 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 desire to win. They're 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 an SEC mindset in the Big Ten. Their desire to to, to, to put their resources towards towards football is is unmatched in, in in the Big Ten. You know, so I think that you know if that job would come open, you would see there there'd be. The only two candidates that would not take that job, I, I think, are, are, are the are, are the guys you guys mentioned. You know, Kirby Smart at Georgia, and um, yeah. So I, I, that is the premier job of the Big Ten. I think that there that that line of, of candidates would, would would be out the door for that job. <laughs> Adam, we, uh, <laughs> you know, I I regretfully missed the last interview that you had with Ravi on on the show, and you guys talked a little bit a little bit about Tony White in the opening at uh, San Diego State. But if I remember correctly, listening back, uh, you felt that they weren't going defense. Did I get that right, Ravi? That that he gave me the head nod, so I am right there. Um, as you hear, uh, just. Yesterday or a couple of days ago, Tony White interviews with San Diego State. Are, are you still feeling that way with that job? I think so. From 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 what everything that I've that we, that we've heard and I've heard, um, I mean, they have to they have to interview Tony White. He's he's an excellent coach. He's going to be a head coach someday. They'd be foolish not to do the due, due diligence at least give him an interview. Um, but from from the feeling out there. They're having trouble getting getting people in the stadium, and and um, I think there's been a, a real fan push that they would rather, you know, see games that were, were, where they win 35-31 instead of 10 to seven, because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's kind of been the way it's been at San Diego State for years ever since Rocky Long was there and ever since he left. So um, I think there's a big push for for some exciting offense in San Diego State, and and you know maybe that does hiring somebody like Tony White doesn't mean that you don't. You won't have exciting offense there. You just you, you never know the the plan for how those uh, defensive-minded head coaches are, head coaches are, are going to fill their staffs out. So um, we'll just we'll just see out there. But but the feeling is is, is they're leaning more towards the offensive head coach. Uh, before we jump to some of the open bank, uh, some of the open jobs currently, you know, I believe last time we talked, you mentioned there was some jobs out there that that were going to come open that hadn't yet or that we hadn't heard about yet 
um, as you kind of look at the list of what's open, are, are you expecting any more bombs to drop? And if it's like exclusive information, I don't need names or anything, but um, as you're kind of going through your work, are you are you looking at and say, hey, yeah, there, there might be still a couple more shoes to drop, or is it just the, the musical chairs now that'll open up as other people steal other people's coaches? <laughs> well, I can't really get into, get into names, but um, let's just put it this way. Um, typically, in a, in a coaching carousel cycle, there's between 20 and 28 um, jobs that come open. There's only been 14 so far this year. Okay. So we're only about halfway there. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, I, I won't push you any further because I know this is your livelihood a little bit there. So I'll push forward. So of the jobs that are open, not a ton of Power 5 jobs open right now. Uh, I believe Houston, Indiana, Duke, Oregon State, Syracuse are the Power uh, 4, 5, I don't know, whatever, the Power Conference jobs that are open right now. <laughs> yeah, feels, yeah. I don't, I don't know, it feels weird to include Houston in there, but I guess um, – Maybe it feels weird to include Oregon State in there, too, as well. But um, out of those jobs, those are all kind of in that not the top tier of college football jobs. Do you think a job like Indiana, despite the lack of its history, despite kind of what they've been, because they are in the Big Ten, is first in line there? Or, or how do you, what's the pecking order of those jobs that's open? Well, I think one of the jobs that's that's open right now, the most attractive should be, you know, should be Houston, mm. right? You're you're right there in a in a in a very fertile, you know, recruiting ground. And I know they're not they're not funded like Indiana might be, but you're not going to. It's going to be really tough for you to mix it up with 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 the big boys of the Big Ten at Indiana, with the with the recon, reconfigured Big Twelve. If you would get the right coach in at Houston, mm-hmm. I think that could that could really go somewhere quickly with with their resources and and with uh, their recruiting base right there in the Houston area. I think that's a that's a that's a good looking job right now for for the ones that are open. Adam, what do you make of uh, Fran Brown emerging as the top target at Syracuse? Hey, it's it's another Matt Rule, you know, defensive disciple, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's 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 done well as a defensive backs coach at Georgia. Excellent recruiter. Um, not only and some, some of these some of these position coaches you have to watch because they only do their 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 best work when they're out of Georgia. That's not Fran Brown. He he was good at Temple. He, he was good at Temple. He was good at Rutgers, and then he went to Georgia, and he's still good. So he's done it at every level of competition that he's been at. Um, I think that would be a uh, an interesting hire for Syracuse. Uh, Adam, I I wanted to. Uh, ask about some guys that you and I had talked about before that we're both big fans of. Um, Kurt Signetti out at James Madison, who I think, uh, I know at least during a portion of the season, was basically your highest-rated coach in your metrics. And then Jamie Chadwell, a guy that I've been really high on for a while. Of those Power 5 jobs that are open, uh, do you see an opportunity? I know Duke kind of makes sense geographically with both of those guys. I don't know if it as much makes sense uh, from a fit standpoint. Do you see any of the open jobs, whether Power 5 or not, that, that look like, yeah, I could see one of those two guys slotting in, especially consider- considering Signetti's a little on the o- older side for you know maybe some of those guys that want a young up-and-comer? Yeah, and, and, and like you said, it just it kind of depends on what the athletic director is looking for at, at whatever whatever school they're going to. But I think Signetti would make a lot of sense at Duke. I think Chadwell would, would, would make a lot of sense at Duke. 
Um, you know, especially, you know, Chadwell has such a, such a specialized offense. Um, maybe that may, might be the way to go with somewhere like Duke, where the entrance, you know, uh, uh, requirements are a little more stiff than, than other places and maybe kind of hard to get the, the same athletes in there. You put a system in like Jamie Chadwell runs at Liberty, Liberty and, and for, you know, previously uh, Coastal Carolina, and that might that might fit well at Duke. I, I would really, you know, Chadwell Chadwell would, would would be good at a lot of places, but for the for the for the for the position still open, I think he would make a lot of sense at Duke. Adam, how uneasy should a coach feel about going to Oregon State in the position that that conference is in right now? Man, that's a. That's a rough situation they have going. I mean, do they even have a schedule next year? I mean, they, I, I know that they've got some a, a, a scheduling agreement maybe with the Mountain West. I think they talked about a few weeks ago. But, mm-hmm. but what's what beyond that? What is their what is their situation? I think that would be a really 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 tough situation for a coach to step in. So, um, I think Trent Bray is out there uh, mm-hmm. uh, interviewing for the job. I think he would be an excellent hire for, for Oregon State. He, he knows the program, um, is a good, very good defensive coordinator. Um, so we'll see which way they, way they which way they go. But, but when you have a guy like that in-house that wants to take the job and take on that, take on that uh, challenge, I think you have to look pretty strongly at him. Adam, we we'll want to switch gears here with you for the last couple of minutes. I know you guys over at Matrix Analytical do a lot of college football playoff projections as well there's some scenarios that could play out that would make I think the committee's life a kind of a nightmare Um, you're talking about situations where you know Georgia loses and you're trying to pick a one-loss Georgia non-SEC champ over you know an ACC undefeated Florida State team you know there's there's some scenarios that get pretty hairy pretty quickly how much do you guys look at those and the possible uh, different types of scenarios I imagine you run the numbers on them I guess what's the likelihood you found that there's a squirrely situation that pops up well, you, I mean, I mean all, 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 all it would take was is Nick Saban getting that crew ready to go and, and beat Georgia in the SEC title game, and then it's Armageddon, right? <laughs> <laughs> or if Washington loses Oregon, right, and you've got, you know, two awesome one-loss Pac-12 teams. Yeah, it, I, think, I, I think that's going to happen. I think Oregon, Oregon's coming, you know, to, to, to burn the house down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this weekend on, on Friday night. So I think we can maybe even bank that one, but, but – yeah, you you have a one loss Oregon. Let's say let's say yeah 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 you have a one loss Oregon, a one loss Washington, a one loss Georgia, um, a one loss Texas who beat Alabama, a one loss you know. Bama who's an SEC champ. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What do you do there? <laughs> can yeah, can you leave out Texas when they beat Alabama? <laughs> right? Like, how does that work? You can, <laughs> especially since Texas has looked so good the last few weeks too. I mean, they're gonna they might come in and, and really put it on Oklahoma State this weekend too. So it's but then are you leaving out an SEC champ one loss Alabama? Because that doesn't seem like it's going to happen. No, that won't happen. Not with the win over Georgia, I wouldn't think. No, that's, that gets really wild really quick. Um, I mean, maybe they usher in the 12th. Yeah, say, we're doing it early, guys. Yeah. We're going eight this year. Let's go. <laughs> but, man, what a year for it. What, what, what a year it, w- it would have been if we would have had that in place this year. I mean, this is actually the perfect year for it. 
I was going to say, but, it's the best argument they can possibly make to move to 12 teams right. next year is the way it's going to play out this year, right? Exactly. It's almost, it almost seems scripted, right? <laughs> hey, hey, I don't know. <laughs> let's, not, let's not go there. Um, <laughs> Adam, we appreciate your time, as always. I know you're busy this time of year. Um, anything we missed? we got about a minute left. Anything we missed that, that's, a, that's a big thing in, in your world right now that uh, we didn't touch on? Um, not really, but other than just, you know, like I said, there's only been 14 openings so far in, in, in FBS, you know, level of football. There's typically between 20 and 28. So we got at least six or seven more to go. It's just, you know, who's it going to be? And, 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 and is it going to be somebody substantial that, that really causes that next, you know, uh, domino to fall? So. That is what we will keep our eyes open for, Adam. We appreciate it. As always, we will talk to you again soon. Thank you, guys. Hey, thanks, Adam. That's Adam McClintock. He's the college football professor, and he is a founder of Matrix Analytical. He's our go-to for all of the coaching carousel uh, fun and nonsense that is college football this time of year. Coming up next, we will have more Herd Out Sports Radio here on AM590 ESPN Omaha and ESPN Tri-Cities.